This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. I believe we're on episode seven now. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. Mornings on Sports Radio 610, and of course, joined, as always, by the Hall of Famer, my colleague at Sports Radio 610, John McClain. John, I say this uh, because we are recording uh, just mere hours after Jeff Driscoll led another last-minute comeback for the Houston Texans in the preseason. Good morning. How are you doing? Comeback kid, Jeff Dreskel, engineered two come-from-behind victories over the Saints and the Rams and destined not to play it down unless there is debilitating injuries to the first two quarterbacks, Davis Mills and, of course, Kyle Allen. Yeah, yeah, John, there is so much to dig into from this game uh, in terms of uh, how the offense looked in the first half. Uh, you mentioned Jeff Driscoll, the last-minute win, the feeling that that has around the team right now. Um, there's some position battles, <clears throat> excuse me, that are starting to shape up that are very, very interesting for this team. But as you and I always do, we break down the game stock up and stock down style. So let's dig right into it. Um, the 24-20 win over the Rams. John, you and I each do two stock ups and two stock downs. I will give you the honors because you're the Hall of Famer on this podcast. So let's get started with the good. Who is a stock up for you after Friday night's victory over the Rams? I believe that uh, Nico Collins was listening to John Lopez on In the Loop uh, last week when John was saying he hadn't seen what everybody else had been seeing about Collins and wanted to see it in the game. So I guess Nico was listening, of course, to end the loop, as all the Texans do. And uh, he had a great game. He had two great catches early in the game. He bowled his way for a first down, and then he had that great touchdown catch in which he took the ball away from the corner and showed what he's capable of with his leaping ability, his strength, his strong hands in the red zone. So I thought Nico Collins, who didn't do much, didn't have a chance to do much against the Saints really showed what we've been seeing from the get-go in training camp. Yeah, I, John, uh, I was watching that game with Clint Sterner, as I always do. He's my co-host on the post-game show. So we were watching that game up in the studios, the 610 studios. And when Philip Dorsett made that catch and drew that penalty to put them in position for that, for that touchdown, Clint called his shot. It was seven seconds left. He goes, just throw up a, to throw up a jump ball to Nico. And then if you don't get it, go kick a field goal. And, uh, and sure enough, that's what, uh, that's what Davis Mills did. And it wasn't the best placed ball to go 
get for a jump ball. He, Mills kind of underthrew it to the right a little bit, but um, boy, th- th- that was, you're right, John, that was really good to see on, uh, on Friday night uh, to see some of the things that you and I have watched out at practice turn into, uh, you see it in actuality on the field because Nico's had a really good training camp, but when he got the, the kid glove treatment against the saints and he was gone after a series or two, I'm going, what are we doing here? You know, he's a young player. He's a young player who needs reps. He spent a whole season on the COVID sideline back in 2020. He just hasn't played a lot of football. Um, so I was really, really, I'm with you. I'm, I was really, really happy to see Nico Collins do what he did. And he, he had four catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. And that was just one half of work. You leave him in for the second half. He's probably got a hundred yard game in that game. All right. Who's yours? Uh, my first stock up, John, I am going to go with somebody you've already mentioned on this podcast, Jeff Driscoll. And it's not because the, <clears throat> the results of these preseason games are super important. They're not. Although I would submit that for this Texans team, actually winning some of these games the way they are is probably more important than it is for other teams, just because I think this team, just based on how the last couple of years have gone, this team can use anything, uh, anything that makes them feel better about themselves is a good thing for me. But I'm giving you Jeff Driscoll because I've done two 53-man roster mock-ups so far. I'll do a third one this week. And on both of them, I've had the team only keeping two quarterbacks. I think Driscoll has at least created a conversation that they should keep him as a third quarterback for this team. And and I think, you know, maybe Kyle Allen getting COVID is a wake-up call. It's just a how quickly things can shift at the quarterback position still with the virus around and whatnot. Um, I, I don't want to entertain the idea of Driscoll being kept on the team because you can slip him over to play tight end. I don't want any of that. But <clears throat> Driscoll, who we make fun of incessantly out at camp, it feels like, at least we did last year, because his incompletions are really incomplete, like they're bad. He's actually had a decent enough camp, and it's translated onto the field. So I think the fact that Driscoll is creating an argument for him to get an NFL paycheck this year has made him a, a stock up for me right now. Yeah, tell that accuracy to the NFL Network where he overthrew everybody and broke a lens on a camera in the back of the end zone. You know, they, to me, can cut Driscoll. Nobody's going to claim him and put him on the practice squad if they want to. I can't imagine anybody would claim him. My second one, we already talked about him. Philip Dorsett made the play of the game that wasn't the touchdown pass to Nico Collins on the right sideline. You know, that Mills put it the only place he could put it. And Mm -hmm. then Dorsett caught it between two guys and the defensive back hit him helmet to helmet. So he caught it, did a great job getting his feet down. The officials ruled it was incomplete. Levy Smith challenged it. It was overturned. Clearly both feet were in bounds. And then the hold on to the ball with that kind of vicious hit was a tremendous play by Dorsett. And he made another really good play. So I've got him as my second stock up. Yeah, Dorsett is uh, Dorsett's an interesting one, John. We had him. He was our guest on the postgame show from the stadium last night uh, for Clint and myself. And he's interesting. And he's a former first-round pick. So obviously the skills are there and the speed is there. And the other play I think you're talking about is the pass interference penalty that he drew on the final drive. And it was strange because – as he's getting that penalty, I'm going, hold on a second. Philip Dorsett was playing with the ones. I can't think of a single guy on this team who's playing with the ones in the first half. And then he's coming in in the last drive of the game. And what happened on that was he was already like 
hanging with the veterans who were out for the rest of the game. But the Texans were treating it like uh, we need to go win this game situation. And he's their fastest guy. So they basically hollered over him and said, Dorsett, get in the game. <laughs> he threw his helmet on and went in the game. And he ran a go route past those two guys and drew the pass interference penalty that ultimately set up that beautiful throw from Driscoll to Mason Shrek to win the game. And uh, I thought that was an interesting, an interesting anecdote. And look, Philip Dorsett, John, he, former first round pick, never really got into a groove in Indianapolis. He got traded for Jacoby Brissett to New England, never really got in a groove in New England. And then he's been dealing with injuries over the last two years. I asked him in the postgame show, do you feel like you've kind of finally found a home here in Houston? And he said, yeah, that's why he re-signed here for multiple years. Clint Sterner seems to think he can be a real weapon for this team just because they don't have a slot receiver right now. So he's somebody he can slide inside, but he's got the speed to burn on the outside. Um, he's going to make this team, and it's really good to see him see him making some plays. All right. So my last stock up. So we've got uh, we've got Nico Collins. You went all wide receivers with your stock ups. Nico Collins, uh, and you went with uh, Philip Dorsett. I threw Jeff Driscoll out there. John, I'm gonna. Uh, this will probably be the only time in the history of this podcast that I do a stock up for a player who didn't play a single snap in the game last night. And I think you know where I'm going with this, John. Absolutely, a smart smart decision by Lovey Smith. Yep, Damian Pierce. No snaps in the game last night. And it's funny <clears throat> because you get to, you get through the first half. I hadn't seen any of the reports or the conjecture before the game that he might not play in the game. So I was kind of – I was watching that game cold. I'm thinking, okay, when are we going to see Pierce? When are we going to see Pierce? And there had been rumors floating around, I guess, before the game that I didn't see that he might sit it out tonight just because they've seen enough. Um, I'm, I am obviously impressed with Damian Pierce. I'm really impressed, John, with the Texans – that this is the route they went, that they didn't go with the, well, you're a rookie, so get in there and play. Bill O'Brien would have played Damian Pierce in the second half of that game last night. I have zero, zero, zero doubt about it. I, that makes me feel really good just about Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, not only feel really good about that they're seeing the same things we're seeing with Damian Pierce, but that they realize that running backs only have so much uh, so many miles on the odometer, and there's no reason for Damian Pierce, who is clearly, clearly far superior to any of the other running backs on this roster, like it's not close, that there's no reason to be burning those carries in the second half of a preseason game against the Rams backups, backups who are trying to make an impression to make an NFL roster. So I, I think winner, it's a co-winner for me, Damian Pierce, because he's made such an impression, and it looks like, John, I'm going to throw you in there as a winner as well, John. Your Damian Pierce stock is basically like Amazon stock from like 10 years ago, You're, or Apple stock from back in the late 80s. Your Damian Pierce stock is green arrow up, my friend. That is, that is as stock up as stock up gets right now, Damian Pierce. Speaking of Amazon, their first game will be Thursday night in Houston against the 49ers. I'm wondering if Lovey Smith will play Pierce a little bit in that game because I'll guarantee you the league has told the teams we don't want you playing all backups in this first game. It's too important. They used to do that for the first preseason game, uh, like at the Hall of Fame game. Play your starters for a series. I got to do a bonus up. This guy, see if you can tell me without looking at the stats who this is. Okay. He tied for the team lead with four unassisted tackles. 
He had a sack. He had a fumble recovery. And if the last, if the clock had not expired, he would have had another turnover on replay. They just didn't give it to him. Do you know who it is? That would be number 35, Graylin Arnold, John. Second. <laughs> you know, he played a damn good game. He did, Nobody John. Gave him did. a lot of credit, but he did. Yep, he did. And, and we should mention one of those four tackles was a great play on special teams. It was. Yep, yep. He, he looked... Uh, he looked really, really good. That's a, that's a good bonus stock up. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'll say this too, just to circle back to Amazon. Um, they, they were doing a dress rehearsal last night at the game at, at SoFi. They, they didn't broadcast it, but they were just going through the, the motions of having a, a desk out there. They may have broadcast some of it. I have no idea. But Mark Vandermeer told us this, told me and Seth this in the pregame show when we had he and Andre on. And... Um, they were doing kind of a dry run, you know, sort of a soft open for a restaurant kind of thing. Um, because the real thing is going to be on Thursday here in Houston, as you mentioned, John, they have 56 cameras. Amazon does for these games. Wow. And yeah, which sounds like a lot, right? Like I, I I'm not a, I'm not a, a TV broadcast expert or anything like that. I'm like, wow, 56 sounds like a lot. And then I think Seth asked Mark, like, well, what's the normal number? And Mark said he thinks it's around 13 or 14 for a, a regular NFL game. So Amazon, be prepared to be immersed in the game on Thursday. I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that, that I don't get to watch the full Amazon experience with this game, you know, because we're going to be in the press box and watching the game and, you know, probably chit-chatting. And, and we don't have the sound up either usually in there. So I would be real anxious to hear, although I suppose I could just watch it on my computer while the game's going on and get a feel for it. But um I'm, I'm very anxious to see what this new Amazon experience is going to be watching these games. And they've got a pretty good crew. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, your boy Fitzy is on the studio. John, have you seen any of the pictures from the studio desk at the game last night? With Fitzy? No. Fitzy's beard and hair. He has been prepping for this moment for a long, long time. <laughs> he has grown out the hair huge. <clears throat> the beard is still lush. And uh, and beautiful. So yeah, Fitzy is Fitzy's ready. How do you think Fitzy's going to be as a broadcaster? I think he's going to be terrific. And I'm interested to see. You know, they have Akib Talib supposed to be on their pregame show, and he was at the football game where his brother's accused of shooting and killing an opposing guy, and witnesses said Akib Talib started the fight. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he'll be there or if Amazon will quietly 
pull him off the broadcast till all that is settled. Uh, hey, John, real quick, John, real quick, not yeah. to interrupt you. He did. It didn't look like he was there last night. He was not on the. If he's part of the studio show, he was not. He was not at the debt. Richard Sherman was there, and Fitzy was there, and the host was there. It didn't look like Akeem Talib was there. Go ahead, continue. Akeem Talib is is on the studio show, right? Did I, I believe so? That? But he, I, I believe that's what it is. If he is, he was not there last night. It looked like okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things last night, if first team offense looked so bad, right when they if they hadn't scored that last touchdown, I was going to do a tweet with Jeff Bezos calling Amy Pausick. <laughs> the former VP of communications here, who is his top PR person, calling her on the phone and trying to get her explain why in the world she convinced them to put the Texans uh, <laughs> on this game Thursday night and you're fired. But when they <laughs> scored that touchdown, I didn't do it, but I may save it for this game if the Texans look bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about joking around about people getting fired. You never know in this day and age, John. You just never know. If, 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 if anything were to happen, the people look back and go, John, you jinxed this whole situation. Amy's doing great up there. She is. She's having a blast. She's coming to Houston to see all her friends, and I'm so happy for her. Yep, yep. No, she is. And, I, and I, it's funny you say that. The pictures that I saw of the Amazon – studio in the stadium last night were from her Twitter account. So if you're looking for a little follow-up there, uh, if you're, if you're a, a, if you're a TV nerd, who's looking to, uh, to kind of get a flavor for what the Amazon broadcast is going to feel like come Thursday, uh, Amy Palsic's Twitter feed at Amy Palsic, P-A-L-C-I-C is where you can find that. All right, John, let's do our stock downs. We did our stock ups, including a bonus one. So you could get a Baylor guy in there. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's uh, let's start it off here with some uh, stock downs. John, you go ahead first. Davis Mills. He yeah. was not sharp. The offense did not look good. He um, and I don't care that they're missing three starters in the offensive line. Laramie Tunsil, Justin Brett. And then they're hoping Kenyon Green can start it left guard he had some time to throw he was just off target yeah and then on the last drive he kind of saved himself but I was not impressed with the first team offense and I was not impressed with Mills and he should have he was a little better than the first game of course when they had two three and outs but considering the way he ended last year I expected him to be more accurate and so uh uh, I will say Davis Mills. Yeah, I think Davis Mills is my number one. I'm with you on that one. And I, I'm nervous about that, John. I, I am nervous right now um, about Davis Mills. You know, he, he had some good practices early on, but some of the other practices didn't look all that good. I know it's a small sample of just uh, two series against the Saints and a half against the Rams, but you're playing against the other team's backups. And, and you're right. You're absolutely right if he were under siege the entire time because he's got a janky offensive line, then I would feel a little bit better. Like, all right, well, he's going to have pros in front of him come week one against the Colts. He just, he looks like rookie mills at times. And I'm not talking about the last five game rookie mills. I'm talking about Buffalo bills game, rookie mills, Indianapolis Colts game, rookie mills. 
Arizona Cardinal game, rookie Mills, like that, like he had some throws where you're going, what are you doing? Like right in a row, like three or four throws, it felt like they were consecutive where the other team had just as good a chance to get the football as the Texans did on those plays. So I'm with you. I'm super nervous about that. Hopefully he does some things against the 49ers with the first, with his actual first team, with his number one target in there, Brandon Cooks. Um, I don't think we can, you know, we'd, we'd be remiss not to mention that Cooks hasn't played yet. That's his, <clears throat> that's his security blanket. I'm a hundred percent with you on Davis Mills, John. And, and, and I, man, it cannot be overstated how important it would be if he were to develop into the full-time starter for this team beyond this year, because then they wouldn't have to use that draft capital on a quarterback. They wouldn't have to use potentially multiple picks to maneuver around to go get the quarterback that they want. If you already have the quarterback, you can just sit there and go best player available with all your pick. You can move around if you want to, like they did with the Kenyon green pick last year. But if you, if Davis mills, isn't the guy and the Texans are picking like fifth or something like that, then you're talking about potentially having to use both of those first round picks to get a quarterback. If you want to maneuver up. So the opportunity cost of Davis mills, not becoming the guy is something that that uh, I, to me hangs over this season for me. It's obviously the biggest story with this team this year is, is the performance and the development of Davis Mills. 100% with you on that one, John. Um, my first uh, stock down is for a poor guy who they signed during the preseason. He's coming back from an injury. He didn't play in the first preseason game. And he gets in there for a punt return, Chester Rogers. And his first punt return, John, I looked and he ran it for 30 yards and I'm going, Hey, this guy's got a little sauce. Maybe he makes this decision kind of tough for the Texans. Maybe he's, maybe he finds a role on this team. You know, there's nothing in, there's nothing in concrete at the back end of the wide receiver depth chart. If this team feels like Chester Rogers punt return ability is worth keeping over like Chris Moore is the fifth receiver who doesn't really do anything in the return game. I know he's on special teams, but whatever. Hey, this guy, Chester Rogers might make a run here. And then the next punt happened. And now Chester Rogers is probably RIP. John, you just can't, when you're trying to make a team, you cannot fumble a punt or fumble a punt return in part because your technique was bad. You had the, he had the ball in his right hand. He didn't have it on his outside arm. And then he fumbles the ball deep in the Texans territory and the Rams scoop it up and they score a touchdown. The only reason that game had to come down to a last minute touchdown was because of that play. The Texans were firmly in control of that game last night. They were up, I think 14 to six when that punt happened. So you get the ball back and, and the Texans have a chance to go up by two scores. And instead it's, it's 14, 13, next thing you know. So Chester Rogers, big stock down for me, big, this we're not on video, but my thumb is right up in the camera with John and I am pointing it way, way down. I didn't think Rogers had a prayer to make the team anyway. They've had too many receivers step up, but that, solidified it. Sean, my my next one, left guard Max Sharping. Justin McCray started the first game at left guard. Max Sharping, who's gotten most of the first team reps ahead of Kenyon Green. And Justin McCray could be a backup center. But Sharping got beat too many times. A couple times caused a sack. Fumble, Sharping fell on the ball another time. And it, he got like blue. Some guy blew by him and stopped Mac in the backfield. You would think a former second round pick that started as much as he had would have played better, especially since he got significant playing time. And maybe he makes a team because he can play either side. But man, that was not the kind of performance he wants to put on tape for the coaches as they get closer to that 53 man roster. 
Oh, John. Yeah. And we were watching the game. I said to Clint, I said, man, can you believe Max Sharping started for this team in 2019? Like not just started. That was his rookie year. Not just started. But at the end of the season, it's not as though he were out there like as a consolation prize. Like he was the only like he looked like it looked like there was something to Max Sharping's game as a rookie. Like it was, you know, I think the feeling after his rookie year was, okay, this is a guy the Texans might want to keep around for a while. And I don't know what happened, but boy, he just fell off the face of the earth. And John, you're right. He got beat on some very, very basic pass rush moves on the interior last night. You can't have that. And you can't have that when your your starting quarterback is is back there. Like that's that's one of those ones where if you're Lovey Smith, you're like, oh my God, I I'm a, I almost got Davis Mills killed by putting Max Sharping in with the ones in this game. And he's this it's his fourth season, and he's gotten worse, progressively worse instead of better. We all thought the offensive line after that 2019 season with the addition of Tunstall and Sharping in the second round that they had solidified the line and they didn't it's been worse the last two years and if it's not a whole lot better this season they're in big trouble when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply John, think about this is actually a pretty good lead in into uh, our last stock down for me. And it's Ross Blacklock, who is in real danger of not making this team just flat out. He's Clint and I on the postgame show last night went through the um, we went through all the bodies at defensive line. And and I'm curious what you think about this. But just to 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 speak about Blacklock individually, he didn't make any plays. He didn't show up. Splash play wise, the only time he ever showed up was when the referee was giving his jersey number out for multiple penalties on a play towards the end of the game that set up the Rams go ahead touchdown. He had a face mask and he lined up off sides on the exact same play. You can't do that. He's just I, I Ross Blacklock has just never seemed to have gotten it ever since his rookie year where J.J. went in on him for getting into a fight in a game against Baltimore. It's just been one thing after another with Ross Blacklock, who doesn't seem like a bad guy. He's just not a very good football player, as it turns out. Um, but he's in real danger not making this team, John, because there's a ton of bodies along the defensive line. And that's one of the position groups. It's not only are there a lot of bodies that are doing things in practice. That is one group that is showing up big time in these first two games. There's a ton of backups that are out there making plays. And I know some of them are on the edge and Ross Blacklock is on the interior, but there's interior guys making plays. Kurt Heinish is a better football player right now than Ross Blacklock is. I don't think there's any question about that, at least during training camp. Blacklock's probably got more, he definitely has more physical talent. He was a second round pick and Heinish is an undrafted free agent, but Heinish has shown up more times in two preseason games than Ross Blacklock has in the last year. Um, you know, Michael Dwumfor is a guy who has done some decent things that I think could make this team over Ross Blacklock. There's, there were 13 names that we had come up with, John, in the pool of defensive linemen and trying to go through that exercise. How many do you think Lovey keeps along the, uh, the along the defensive line for the fifty three man roster? Nah, I think you'll keep nine. Nine? Then Blacklock's not making this team. Oh, I don't think Blacklock's going to make it. And and you mentioned 
big hind, he left out that he went to Notre Dame, your alma mater. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud to be a Baylor bear. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always sick of it. And, and also I'll point that out. You went to Notre Dame, but thank you. I watched on Saturday morning. I went back over every play multiple times. And when you're playing behind Roy Lopez, you're getting double teamed a lot. And Blacklock just can't beat a double team. He's not fast enough to penetrate. And Heinish made two plays that uh, one, he didn't get credit for, but he forced a guy to go sideways and somebody else stopped him at the line of scrimmage. And then there was one where he chased down and made a play, but he makes plays. And I couldn't see one time Ross Blacklock did put pressure on the quarterback and he had to get rid of the ball too quick, but that was it. When he's going against double teams, he's just flummoxed. He's not going anywhere. And it doesn't look like he's getting ready to jump and get his arm in the air and try to knock down a ball. It just looks to me like right now, Ross Blacklock knows he's out of here. And if he goes to a team that's more suitable for him where they play a different front, maybe it'll help him. But he just has not been worth the second round pick. I think he has three starts in two seasons. Yeah, it's he's not. And so, John, let's let's think about this for a second here. Because you just mentioned Max Sharping as a stock down second round pick from uh, 2019. Let's go back through the history, the pre Casario history of second round picks real quick. And I'll go chronologically backwards. Ross Blacklock in 2020 in danger of getting cut. 2019, they had two second round picks. Max Sharping in danger of getting cut. Lonnie Johnson has now been let go by two teams. He got traded for a seventh round pick by the Texans. He just got cut by the Chiefs this week. Uh, 2018, they didn't have a second round pick. They didn't pick till the third round. 2017, Zach Cunningham, who they cut last year because he was, uh, he was completely truculent behind the scenes with the team. John, 2016, Nick Martin, who wound up being one of the most overpriced centers in the league, who they wound up cutting, and now he's barely hanging on in New Orleans. When you're a team that is flipping first round picks all the time, when you're trading them, trading them for Watson made a lot of sense. Trading them for Tunsil in, in retrospect made as much as they traded for him made very little sense. When you're a team that is just conceding that you're not going to draft in the first round and then you're not getting the second round right in any of those years, this is this is how you wind up where the Texans are right now. ESPN uh, last week did a position-by-position position ranking of every team. And Mike Clay, who's very respected, did it with the reasons behind everything. And the highest-rated position he had for the Texans was cornerback, which surprised me. They were 20th or worse everywhere, and overall they were last in the NFL. And that's two years in a row, and that's what happens when you bomb out with so many high picks. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so there's our stock up and stock down. Of course, the Texans' next game is going to be Thursday against the San Francisco 49ers at NRG Stadium, and then 17 days between 17. That'll be kind of fun doing the podcast where there's a 17-day hiatus, John. You and I can veer into different lanes and talk about a whole bunch of things for those couple of weeks. Before we get out, John, let's just circle back. Uh, there's still plenty of aftermath of the decision from the league to, to suspend Deshaun Watson, 11 games, $5 million fine. I want to get into the ramifications for Texan season ticket holders in just a second, but do you give any credence to the, what feels like with a lot of journalists hope that Deshaun's reinstatement could get scuttled because he's just 
he's not been contrite enough. He still thinks he's innocent and everybody thinks that's going to translate into um, translate into some sort of glitch with the therapist or the counselors that they're going to put him with that they'll, they'll look at him and say, he doesn't, he doesn't realize what he's done. He's not ready to take the field again. Do you think there's any chance that happens with the NFL? Absolutely not. There'd be a major lawsuit if that happened and you know, he'll comply with the counseling. He's already been going to counseling. Um, and you remember those national stories saying they didn't want him to come back and play against the Texans, which we said was hogwash. Why would they give a damn about that? Well, it looks like they wanted to punish him by putting him with a team where he'd get the worst reception. And what the Texans got to hope is their fans don't sell their tickets to all those Browns fans. The Browns have big crowds on the road anyway. They always have big crowds here. If they sell their tickets to Browns fans who can't get a ticket at home, you know, it's going to be embarrassing. And I think the fact that he comes back in his first game against the Texans is the best time to do it because you've got to think he would need – he have a lot of rust on him for not No playing. doubt. What would you figure, 704 days? Is that what you figured? Yeah, 700. It was – yeah, I think 703. It was – yeah, right around there. Yeah, you and I talked about that on the last – it's around 700 days. Yeah, so it's – it, it's that's – John – that's a lot of rust. <laughs> I don't care what any, I don't care about practices. Uh, he, he, he will have played one, se- two series of a preseason game and that's it. He is going to be rusty. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I'm guessing there'll be women's group protesting. It'll be a circus. The Browns have a really good PR staff and mm-hmm. they've done a terrible job with Watson. And I'm guessing that the Haslam's like a lot of owners have hired crisis PR people that have no clue about the NFL. Yeah. Cause number one in March, when all the media thought they would bring him out and say, he's not talking about his legal situation. Nothing's been resolved. He'll talk about football. They let him get bombarded with legal questions and he struggled big time this time last week. They should have done the same thing and said, Deshaun has a statement. He'll stand by a statement. He'll talk about football, but they didn't. And of course the statement written by the PR people said all the right things. And then he gets up here and says, I stand by my innocence. You know, he didn't disrespect anybody or assault anybody. And they're like, Oh my God, how stupid can you be? And his people didn't react real well either, especially his agent, David Mulligetta, took off on Sue L. Robinson, the independent arbitrator. And so it's just a fiasco for Watson. And if I were the Browns, I would never let him talk about this again. But somewhere along the line, I would say, okay, here is your apology. Spend a month, memorize it, and then we're going to let you talk to Adam Schefter or Josina Anderson, or Ian Rappaport, and you read this perfectly, and you're going to be contrite, and you're going to be remorseful, and then you're going to play football. And I just think, you know, they have just totally botched it. John, you know, but you know what the reaction to that apology would be. I mean, I get what you're saying. Well, we know it's not real, of course, but that would just be – for the for the counselor wanting to tell oh him I see that he showed contrition and they know it's all fake he's not going to change his mind yeah but they still he still has to do it I got you so you, if if he needs to check a box then that that's the best way to do it I get yeah, what you're nobody's saying nobody's going to believe it just like they didn't believe that one when he came out about with the Didi Kinkabala and said the people women women that I've impacted um so John the the Browns game is by far the hottest ticket for this 
home schedule for the Texans now, right? Like that's if you're my wife is a season ticket holder. If she were to look at the eight regular season games they play at NRG Stadium as stocks, uh, that's the hottest stock, right? That Cleveland Week 13 game right now in your mind. The one that's been selling the fastest is Philadelphia. Eagles fans are buying up those tickets like crazy, like they do everywhere they go. Maybe now with Watson coming back, it'll surpass it. And you hope in both cases it's not predominantly fans from the other team. If the Texans are terrible by December 4th, I'm guessing Christmas coming, there's going to be a lot of people say, hey, if I can get another $500,000 for my ticket, I'm selling it to Browns fans. But I think the opener against the Colts, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's the Colts, because they played really well last year in their opener, the Colts have been terrible in openers under Frank Reich, and we'll get into that a lot later. I would think that would be a big game. And then um, um, Kansas City, because of, gosh, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, when they're there, they're a Super Bowl contender. They're exciting. I would think um, I'm going to say from a Texan standpoint, Browns, Colts, and Chiefs. Browns, Colts, Chiefs. I, I think that that Eagles game, I didn't realize that that Eagles ticket was such a hot ticket for Eagle fans. It's a Thursday night game. So I guess you just make a long weekend out of it and, and stay down here for that. Um, you know, they can stick around for the uh, the Astros World Series parade, I guess. No, that's probably like the next. I think the World Series goes into the following week. But at any rate, um, I, I thought the Eagles game too, John, just for Texan fans, that's that battle red game with the red helmet. And I know that this this is kind of where we are with this team. Like you look at the schedule, <laughs> this you look at the schedule, and 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 unfortunately in previous seasons we'd be like, boy, I tell you what, that Kansas City game in Week 15 might decide a buy in the playoffs, or might decide who's at home when they face off in the divisional round. There's none of that on this schedule. Unfortunately, that's where we are. Those red helmets might be enough for Texan fans to go. Yeah, you know what? I want to go see the red helmets in person, <laughs> <laughs> the Philadelphia game on on Thursday. John, just a quick scenario. As we put a bow on this whole thing, you have said on this podcast, and I'm th- I'm guessing you still stand by it, although maybe Davis Mills has scared you off of it, that you think the Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts in week one. I did say that, and I said that way before the start of training camp. And uh, right now, of course, I'm skeptical, but I'm going to stick with it since the Colts have been terrible in their first games under Frank Reich. Texans beat the Jaguars when they were underdogs by five or six points last year. And, of course, the Colts are going to be better than the Jaguars, but nobody knew the Jaguars were going to be as bad as they were because, my God, they would gotten Urban Meyer. He was going to turn the NFL on its ear, and he kind of did. And uh, so, yeah, I got to stick with it since I said it. All right. So then, and and you you have your right to change your mind before the season, but here's where I'm no, going. No, I this. can't change my mind. <clears throat> okay. All right. All right. What if Davis Mills and Kyle Allen both get hurt? Then what? No, I'm just joking. Uh, then I, then, I'm then you reserve like, the right. I'm going to look like a bigger idiot. <laughs> um, but let's pretend for a second. Colts, let's say they pull off the upset. They beat the Colts. Then they go to Denver the following week. That'd be tough to win back to back like that. One so they and lose, one and one. They lose that game. Then they go to Chicago. At Chicago, I think Chicago is going to be the worst team in football this year. That's my, my feeling on them. So I think they can go to Chicago and win that game. If they come back to NRG Stadium, I mean, I'm, I'm in fantasy world right now. It could very well be 0-3 when they come back. But they come back 2-1 and one and you got the Chargers coming to town, that could be a fun ticket. I'm not ready to say it's the hottest ticket on the schedule. 
But if they're two and one coming back for that game against the Chargers team that has Super Bowl aspirations and that the Texans beat last year at home, that could be a, a fun little early October uh, weekend. Fun ticket last year. Justin Herbert played great. Davis Mills played great. Rex yeah. Burkett had the best game of his career. They knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs. I would think it would be very exciting. Might be anyway. Yeah. If they're 0-3 and they lose to the Bears, we're going to start talking about uh, could they get the first overall pick. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. It's very interesting to start to look ahead. What are the storylines going to be for the season? That's why we've got the Utopia Football Podcast. Um, so we are done. We are out of time. We um, we will be back. We're going to drop, I think, Thursday this week because the Niners game is on Thursday night. So the schedule will be uh, a little a, a little uh, pushed up this week by a day just because of the preseason schedule and what that does. So uh, so John and I will be dropping on Thursday later on this week. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for doing what he does to make sure this podcast gets out to all of you. Uh, you can hear me. Uh, Sean Pendergast from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610 with Seth Payne, Payne and Pendergast. And John, of course, they can hear you throughout the week, three different times with with our shows on 610, twice a week with Texans Radio and um, all that great work that you do covering the NFL and have done for so many years. So, uh, John, appreciate the time. As always, I enjoyed it. John, thank you very much. I enjoyed it as well. And I hope the listeners enjoyed it too. Yes. All right. So we're done. This has been the Utopia Football Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody.